Storm Duck enters the transfer portal. Ah, it's fine. Penn State's secondary will be just okay. But the interior defensive line, that's going to be an issue if Penn State doesn't get some help. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and joining me on the show is Matt Bortner, a former colleague of mine at ESPN Radio State College, now sports reporter with Lightner Communications in Altoona. Matt, it's great to see you again and great to have you back on the podcast on the show. Yeah, great. Great to be back with you, buddy. It's uh, not too long ago we were doing this every Monday, so... Excited to talk some Penn State with you again, man. Absolutely. Yeah, we did Bloom White Breakdown for ESPN Radio State College when that was still in, <laughs> in existence. Um, and then, you know, things happen year to year, right? Uh, but now this, you know, Locked on Nittany Lines ain't going anywhere. And I'm glad to yeah, have man. you have you back alongside me here just talking big picture stuff for Penn State. You know, offseason goals, uh, all, the, all the different news in the transfer portal, the latest with recruiting, NFL draft. So it's kind of everything bunched up together uh, all into one show here, Matt. Back to the spring game, the blue-white game. It's more so the immediate uh, reaction as far as the, yeah. the post game goes. Uh, Storm Duck uh, hops out of the puddle and into the transfer portal again, right? Uh, Storm Rubber Duck, if you will. And Lying uh, once again. <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy Christ, uh, another one. Then Devin yeah. Ford puts his name in, even though he wasn't on the roster anymore. But I, I think just did any of those moves, I don't think Devin Ford so much, but a storm duck in particular, and then you do lose a depth piece, a key depth piece at offensive tackle for Jimmy Chris. I don't yeah. think people valued him enough, but he did. He was going to get some playing time had, had he stuck around. So what, what is your overall impression from duck and Chris jumping into the portal like that right after the spring game? Well, you know, initially the storm duck news was, I think a bit, a bit shocking. And then when I sort of, you know, looked at the roster as a whole and maybe how things played out through the spring, maybe it's a bit understandable why Storm Duck decided to go elsewhere. Um, obviously, I think if he stays, he's going to be a a piece that plays quite a bit for Penn State this year. But also, I think he probably looked at the competition overall and maybe looked at where he stands right now. And you look at the depth at cornerback for Penn state, obviously Kalen King is um, not going to be supplanted. He's all American uh, type cornerback. Um, And then Johnny Dixon coming back, who just got leaps and bounds better than last year and was excellent. Uh, You got Daquan Hardy coming back at the, at the nickel position, Um, you you got Cam Miller who, you know, they've really been high on. So maybe is this a a spot where Storm Duck says, I'm not the guy here. Um, and he can be the guy at a lot of different places. So maybe it's not as shocking as a move as some people may initially think. And that's sort of what I initially thought was, wow, really? Yeah, it feels like he wasted a bunch of time. And I don't I want I wonder what those conversations were like, because us as the media with the a thousand foot view, right? We're not 
able to hear. I mean, some people do get, you know, get the inside scoop from James Franklin, right? I don't think you and I are one of them, but yeah. uh, the direct source. But when you when we analyze this, I think just in general for Penn State sports fans and media, we said, okay, Storm Duck is coming in to be cornerback number two. Uh, yep. So if in my if in his mind that he was thinking, well, I'm going to be the next Joey Porter Jr. There, no, it was going to be Kalen King. It was always going to be Kalen King. I don't know why you would have came in with that mindset, that expectation. Like, kudos to you. I'm, I'm totally for unshakable confidence. But yeah. I feel like Penn State had to have had a realistic conversation with the guy that you're going to be essentially that co-starter. Like Johnny yeah. Dixon was uh, just a year ago where he was in a rotation with Kalen King yeah. because it was Joey Porter Jr. He's not coming off the field uh, unless, you know, uh, he needs a rest. He needs a breather. He was obviously hurt he had the appendectomy yeah. Yeah. and then Kalen King moved over that role and then Johnny Dixon moved to quarterback too because in this system when it comes to the secondary right with Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter these guys cycle in and out and rotate all the time so even if Storm Duck was going to be the third guy he was still going to be a starter based yeah. on the reps he was going to get game to game so it just it just doesn't make any sense to me if he was really that baffled that he wasn't a guaranteed starter. I feel like some the some memo was missed. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right because you know, even if you take Joey Porter out of the equation, people looked at this Penn State secondary and not just at cornerback. You look at their safeties; they're loaded returning there with still even losing Jair Brown, uh, who I think is going to be end end up being a steal for somebody uh, in the NFL draft because I think he is that good of a player. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it, it is, it is a position where I think going into it, everybody nationally looked at it like, Hey man, this, you add storm dunk to this. This just takes a position that is already loaded and takes it even further over the top. So I think you're right. It's sort of, it's head scratching in terms of two. He's just one injury away from, from being, you know, playing almost every down too, because he could be the number one guy. So yeah, I, I don't, I would like to be a fly on the wall for the conversation there because yeah. I just think he was in a perfect opportunity where, you know, you're going to be fresh um, when you're out on the field for this Penn state team. So uh, I, I guess he'll have to start over once again and, you know, he, he's so good, though, that uh, wherever he lands, he's he's going to be playing football uh, at a high level this year. I mean, he'll be a starter for a Division yeah. One school, but I mean, he was also in that secondary and he has to bear some responsibility with what North Carolina, North Carolina's yeah. past defense was a wet paper bag. That yeah. That is the uh, dictionary definition of what that looks like. So he, again, second team all ACC, uh, battled some injuries through his career, but I, I feel like he could have been a serious asset for Penn State's yeah. team because you do look at the secondary, right? And okay, Cam Miller has some promise, yeah, but I don't know that I, I didn't really see a whole lot of him on the football field uh, yeah. in the blue-white game. I, I'm not speculating injury. I just didn't notice him. I saw a lot of Lamont Payne. I saw Elliot yeah. Washington. I saw Zion Tracy. Uh, and you're going to get some more guys that are coming in late, uh, later over the summer and then for fall camp and, you know, for summer camp and everything. But this secondary, yes, is one injury away from turning to one of the young guys, a second year or a first year player and saying, hey, and you just you've got a lot know. of responsibility. Yeah, you just never know when when it comes to a young guy. I mean, and we'll be talking about that all year about Drew Aller is um, 
you know, potential's great, but you got to be able to show it out on the field and you you never know when it push comes to shove if the guy's ready or not. It is Locked On Nittany Lines, your go-to podcast for Penn State rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for everything Penn State athletics. Again, Locked On Nittany Lines, so proud to be the go-to podcast for Penn State rivals, happyvalleyinsider.com. Before we move further, Matt, uh, let's talk about one of our sponsors for today's show, and then we'll get back into the transfer portal. And today's sponsor is Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need to try the best-tasting protein bar ever, Built, you got to try this. And if you're like me where you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise the taste, I've got just the thing for you. It's Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, they're so amazing. You're not going to think they're good for you. You've got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right. Real dark chocolate. And they come in unbelievably tasty flavors. Churro, peanut butter, brownie and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy for you. Just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, which you still can do. Now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. So head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. It is a Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. Locked On's NFL mock draft special is here. It's bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams. First pick in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. He's Matt Bortner over on the other side. Uh, Jimmy Chris transfers out as well. Uh, I think I'm not so concerned about the offensive line depth. I thought I was under the impression that Chris was going to be one of the guys in the rotation because you know, I uh, definitely experience all fashion. I'm not saying he's going to get hurt again, but just injuries do happen. We saw uh, just, especially on the interior, what the offensive line dealt with last year in terms of guys that you have bumps and bruises, season ending injuries, a Landon Tangwall, a, a Nick Dawkins, uh, and Hunter Norris said from time to time, Sal Wormley wasn't 100%. And then you factor in Caden Wallace and Olu Fashion on the outside. So it did make sense if Jimmy Chris had stayed around, but I honestly think that Drew Shelton established himself as tackle number two on both sides. That's part of it. And then you also have guys like Alex Birchmeyer, Javen Williams, who probably they had the conversation with Jimmy. Sometimes the coaches will tell you, go in the transfer portal because – things are going to change pretty quickly and you're not going to like them based on the way you're projecting. That's the, they're honest. They will tell you to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, even look at Vega, Vega Ioni in the, uh, in the blue white game, he was throwing people around. We've mm -hmm. heard Nick Dawkins name for how long now. Uh, I, it is just the, the deepest when in terms of depth that we've seen Penn state's of offensive line since the Bill O'Brien days, uh, his when he first took over, and I would say uh, probably even deeper uh, than than those. So uh, right right now they're in a really good spot. So I think Chris is looking at you know uh, wanting to try to earn a starting spot somewhere. 
And, and honestly, it's, it's probably a spot for Penn state now too, where, you know, you're fighting for even the uh, second team reps. That's how deep Penn state is at the O-line. Oh, isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. Now, but let's flip it over, right? Okay, because now Penn State has too many offensive linemen. But funny enough, uh, the defensive line, especially yeah. in the interior, because I yeah. cannot rave enough about the defensive end position, right? You have Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson, who will be your starters, but yeah. denied in a Sutton ultimately at the end of the day might get more reps in a game than either of those two guys. Then you factor in Zariah Fisher, who's come a long way since his injury, Amin Vanover, and then you get a guy like Smith Vilbert back who had three sacks not too long ago against an Arkansas team in the Outback Bowl. So defensive end is golden but then you look a little couple yep. couple gaps uh, in the interior and Devon Elise and then Hakeem Beeman uh, or no it was Kazai Izzard excuse me Kazai yep. Izzard and Hakeem Beeman were in comfy clothes they were not playing in the blue white game and James Franklin every time you asked him even unprovoked throughout the spring season was like we need defensive linemen we need defensive linemen we need defensive tackles they've been targeting guys since the portal opened up the first time then it closed again and now they're doing it again and, and they're missing guys like Bear Alexander. I, yeah. I know that it, it Bear Alexander got the Jordan Addison deal. I get it. USC is going to throw $3 million in cash, a house, a sports car, whatever <laughs> have you. Beachside everything view. Everything I aspire to have. <laughs> yeah, everything that <laughs> – yeah, exactly. Everyone, Everything in our wildest dreams, right? But Penn State continues to miss out on interior defensive linemen because then there's prospects that are at, let's say, for example, the Texas State. And then they all ultimately choose to go to Oklahoma over Penn State when I feel like those are in terms of assets, <laughs> in terms of assets provided are pretty similar. Yeah. So wh what can we make of all of this? Because if James Franklin sounding the alarm and saying we need to go get whatever defensive tackle enter this, enters the transfer portal, is that concerning to you? Because I would figure that, OK, Beeman and Izzard would come back with plenty of time for the start of West Virginia, the start of the season but that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. Yeah, that, and I just I just think you look at defensive line in general, especially at Penn State, it's a spot where you rotate so many guys in and out that four, you know, now honestly looking at you say, okay, we're four deep, that probably isn't enough for a coach to really feel comfortable at for depth at that position. So I think it'll be also interesting to see uh, what Manny Diaz does in his second year with his looks. If, you know, they're not able to get anybody out of the transfer portal coming into this season that will be able to help out right away. Do we get some three defensive, uh, three defensive end type looks where, uh, you know, you have one of those guys playing uh, between the guards where, um, you know, is you have some prowlers on defense to really give uh, some mixed up looks. Uh, so I just think in the second year, if you can't get that interior really shored up how you want, I think that's where you also lean on the experience of Manny Diaz and the chaos that Manny Diaz uh, can create with his defensive schemes.
I mean, Penn State wants to naturally run either a 4-3 or a 4-2-5. I totally get. I mean, they they introduced the Prowler package, and that yeah. became popular all across in the NCAA, uh, the 3-2-6, where you have six defensive backs out there, and that's just because that was the strength of the defense. I'll tell you what, though. I, I You might have noticed, noticed this, or maybe I was crazy, but I saw the white team lining up in a 3-4 defensive formation from time to time. Just a few plays, not too many, but I thought I saw a 3-4 defensive look where the linebackers kind of huddled around for that traditional Baltimore Ravens at Steelers yeah. defense from the mid 2000s that was so key and and it's you have to get why, creative why just, with the yeah. personnel you have yeah with all the linebackers exactly my point and then do you get I don't know how creative do you get with a guy like deny Dennis Sutton because I don't want to say that mm-hmm. he's positionless but I feel like he is that athletic enough you say all right deny we want you to add on five to ten more pounds over the summer and then that, and then something where you can still be a hybrid, right? Where we can slide you into the B gap and then keep you on the outside because they I, look, if, if Beeman, if they continue to miss on guys in the portal and Beeman and Izzard are out for an extended period of time, look, I like Zane Durant a lot. I yeah. like Devon Lee's a lot. I like, I mean, Zane Durant, I think he's going to be the breakout star on defense this year. Um, but Jordan Vandenberg, they show a certain level of confidence in him. Devon Townley was in the portal. Then he came back and it feels like he's only here because he sees an opportunity to get more playing time. There was a reason he was in the portal, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was exploring other options. So uh, you lose PJ Mustafer. Uh, defensive tackle is down big time. Yeah. And I, I think if you look at the defense, it's really the only glaring question mark you have. And, um, We've seen when teams are able to run on Penn State, and maybe that's not always the case that it's the defensive line or the interior's fault. You know, a lot of that has to do with linebackers filling in where they're supposed Mm -hmm. to. Um, But that seems to be the common theme when Penn State loses football games. It's uh, teams, you know, either eventually wearing them out or gashing them for a big run. So, I think it does have to be a concern and something you put a star on in terms of things that need to get better for Penn State in this offseason. It is a Locked On Nittany Lions. And again, make sure you check out Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special. It is here. It is bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams first pick in a six episode ultimate mock draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now at Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Final segment of Locked on Nittany Lions. He's Matt Fortner. I'm Zach Seiko, your host. And Penn State, also in the transfer portal, they're still looking for a wide receiver. And James Franklin has not been shy about saying that we do not have a third guy. He's alluded to that Dante Cephas is still not on campus. But the fact that they're still offering wide receivers who immediately have jumped in the portal uh, after a lot of other school spring games, Really, really does say something. Really, I, I think it, it does concern me a little bit, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you, you look just in general, I think there's a lot of guys sitting on that Penn State depth chart where, you know, you go into the season uh, probably one or two years in a row now where you you said – okay, we just need this guy to be a consistent piece. We don't need him to be a breakout star. We just need to have him be a contributor. And there's really not that many guys on Penn State's roster at wide receiver now that you look at and you say, well, first off, 
we haven't seen him be consistent. Now, how do we see him be a breakout star? Now, when we look at Caden Saunders and Amari Evans, um, you don't you're not looking too much at that first year because it was their first year true freshman. So I, I don't think you can really uh, condemn them too much for their play in their first year. Those are the guys that they need to step up, I think, if they're really going to um, make strides at the wide re- wide receiver position. Honestly, I think it has to be those two if they don't find another guy in the transfer portal when you're looking at inside the program right now. I mean, it's just telling, right? Because I sit back and I say, okay, I feel good about a, Don- a combination of Dante Cephas, Trey Wallace, and Keandre Lambert-Smith as your three guys. I, I really do. And then Amari Evans, a Malik Mega, uh, a transfer like Malik McLean. I see those guys as a good second rotation, but I guess the co- if the coaches are doing this right, I- yeah. actions speak louder <laughs> than words. I'm going to trust them if they say, <laughs> we got to go get the-, the kid from Colorado. We got to go get the guy from TCU. Really, they're they're looking uh, up and down, left and right for extra additions. And it's not they're not going after guys that are depth pieces. These are guys that could come in and be wide receiver one or two. Well, and I think that also says something to, you know, it's not always the coach just saying that because we're not confident in our players. I think it's also a push to those players that say, hey, we need number ones at this point. Um we know you're fighting for a position to be on the field, but we we're trying to push you to be that guy. And I, I think that's what Penn state's looking for is that guy. Um, so maybe part of it is, you know, just pushing competition towards uh, being that top dog, being the, the guy, the breakout star. Um, obviously Keandre Lambert Smith has the ability to be a playmaker. We've seen him, uh, his speed is exceptional. We've seen him be able to burst open uh, those big touchdowns as we saw in the Rose Bowl. Um, but again, it comes down to consistency as well. So it, it, it's going to be interesting because when you look at, at what everybody's talking about, it's can Drew Aller be, you know, the savior? Can he be the guy that takes Penn State over the top? Well, part of that has has to do with having wide receivers that you feel comfortable throwing the ball to and bailing you out when you need to. Uh, so I, I think that goes into as much of Drew Aller's uh, development this year than anything. Yeah, and he'll have the offensive line that we've raved about yeah. and the running game, honestly, that yep. we have. This is mostly, this feels like a, a laundry list of concerns about Penn State going into the offseason uh, as opposed to, you know, what, what do they have to hang their hat on? And that's... But it, you know, I think that's a good thing. We're talking yeah. about the things right now that they need to clean up to take themselves to the next level. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Because th- this is a window for a college football playoff. This is a window to win another Big Ten championship, and you don't want to squander it uh, mm-hmm. with with some of the problems that you already have. Because I don't know the conversation that Ohio State and, and Michigan are having, but they're probably not saying the same things about like, well you know, our, our defensive interior, it, it needs a little more patching. Like it needs a lot of patching. If you're going to have yeah. two starters not be available to start the season, or at least just not be 100%. Right, Matt, let's, let's finish on a positive note because recruiting has been really good. Yeah. And, and Phil Troutwine in particular, uh, they get a, an, another, they've gotten a host of different commits, whether it's been interior offensive line, let's say with a, a Donovan Harbor, uh, then you go to tackle and then you get a Garrett Sexton out of Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin as well. Harbor's also from Wisconsin. Uh, and, and then you get one the most recently, and that's Egan Boyer, who's six foot eight out of North Carolina. So it doesn't matter where you are in the country. Trout wine, Trout and Franklin are getting them. I, I mean, it, it's just, it is a complete 180. Yeah, well, what- I, I mean, there's something to be said that you can make an argument that you know, offensive line, at least, you know, last year, maybe even look the year before that and going into this year is might be their best position in terms of, of where they recruited. I think you'd also yep. look at running back how well they've done there. But yep. that has always been the question is why aren't we getting these guys that are making a difference on the offensive line? And now you're looking at and it's like, man, uh, maybe we need to start going some other places instead of the offensive line how how funny is that <laughs> i honestly i think just with the, i mean they've had three in the past what week here literally yeah. seven business days it feels like they're getting too many at this point but when it comes to offensive line Never too many to. <laughs> too many is not a problem when it comes to that position yeah, and then Boyer is a big dude too so yeah. I, I think they look at him maybe more of a project piece in terms of uh getting that weight up but uh, in, in terms of the upward mobility of him, uh, I, I wouldn't be very concerned about just a three-star rating there. Yeah, and, and with the nutritionists at Penn State yeah. and, and Chuck Losey, let's, let's, uh, let's take a Tony Rojas, for example, who put on yeah. 30 pounds of uh, healthy weight, if you will. <laughs> I, I put on 30 pounds and I get a different, uh, <laughs> I get a different analysis from him. Yeah, I can, I can do that 30-plus pounds, but I, oh, we yeah. ain't going to look the same. No, no, or move the same. It looks like Tony Rojas got faster with that 30 pounds. Okay. And then, of course, the NFL draft, uh, depending on when you're watching, listening to this, it is Thursday, April 27th. That is the first round. And then, of course, you have three days uh, going into the weekend, the 28th, 29th. Uh, I had a full preview with Josh Taylor. Go check that out if you haven't already. Every single individual prospect. But, Matt, I'm just going to kind of get a general take from you to wrap this one up. Most exciting prospect where you think who you think the biggest steal out of all these players are for me, it's Jair Brown. I, I think he's going to have the best career out of everybody. And I no slight to Joey Porter Jr. It is no yeah. slight, but I think that Jair Brown uh, also could fall into the category of the biggest steal of the draft as well, because look at what Jaquan Brisker did with yeah. the Chicago bears going in the mid second round being defensive rookie of the year right uh and and it, just and you know his last year of college had about the same production level as, mm-hmm. as Quan brisker so jair brown i think falls into that category and then biggest steal i mean mitchell tinsley has gained a lot of steam as of late i thought that I felt like he could have been a lot better in Penn State's offense. You know, things happen. I totally get it. And yeah. the position coaches changes, and then you realize, okay, hey, there were some underlying issues here. But Tinsley has had a great senior bowl, and then Juice Scruggs as well. And I feel like Juice Scruggs yeah. uh, can play anywhere on the line of, you know, guard, center. They're not going to move him to tackle. But you have somebody that's very versatile, and that goes a long way. So who are the Penn State prospects that just a handful of them that stick out the most to you in terms of value from Penn State? Well, in terms of value, I, th- I think you're you're pretty spot on with Juice Scruggs. He was a guy I was looking at here. And I think also Brenton Strange, just because of mm. his build, his body, his athleticism. We saw him get better and better each year in the Penn State offense. So you wonder how high that ceiling can be. Uh, and, and I think he has an ability that, you know, is starting to be lost in the NFL and in college football with tight ends. And that's the ability to block, be in from first down until third down or goal line situation when you need him. 
you know, at some points you think he's a better asset to blocking than some of your offensive linemen. That's how good he was uh, this past season for Penn State. So I think he is a guy that wherever he lands, he has a chance to have a long NFL career and can be uh, the seal of the draft. Um, when we're talking about top level, I, I really like Jair Brown, like you said. I will say, though, I, I just think, you know, the more physical you can be in the NFL at the corner position with Joey Porter Jr., I think he has a chance to be really good because he's not afraid to lock up with the best wide receivers and get physical. He just doesn't rely totally on his athleticism. He also just doesn't back down from anybody. Actually, a guy that I'm repping my Baltimore Orioles today. I, I wouldn't. I I think it would be so great if he landed in Baltimore and make all the Steelers fans upset that uh, Joey Porter Jr. heads to Baltimore. So I I really do think Joey Porter Jr. has a chance to be a star in this league. Yeah, I I want him to go to Pittsburgh. I'm a Steelers fan, so he'd he'd definitely be and and he fits in anywhere that does a lot of man coverage. The Patriots, uh, I think Seattle, if Seattle were yeah. somehow to move into that 15 to the end of the first round range, because he's not going to go in the top 10, and they're looking to get more of home run guys. And not that Joey Porter isn't, but there are some prospects that yeah. are in fact better than him. He's about in that mid to first, mid to late first round range. I don't. Yeah, I, I think he's a lock for the first round. Though. Yeah. All that I, I think that's all smoke and mirrors about. Well, Porter Jr. could fall out. No, he he can play day one. He's just, but he is a system type of player. He's not going to be. He, he could learn his own system and, and be successful in it. Yeah. But then you got to be willing to commit three to four years and not be like, hey, why aren't you? You know, why isn't it clicking yeah. for you in year one, year two? Uh, Matt, you could, was, have, you could have a Penn Stater go first overall. Oh wait, former Penn Stater. Yeah, Will yeah. Levis. Will Levis. <laughs> oh. I, I I like I respect Will Levis. I yes, really do. Yeah. But if he to for him to go the, be the first quarterback taken, I think is very much a stretch. And, yeah, and we, I, we had I know we had our uh, our same thoughts on him before. I I mean I I get why people were gushing over him, but I I just I don't see it like others do. No, no, it's I don't know. I hope he pans out. I really yeah. do. Hope he proves me wrong. So yeah. Locked on Nittany Lines, where we give all the the best draft analysis and the takes about this Penn State team. Matt, it was it was great to connect again. Great to talk to you. Great to see you. Uh, if you're watching the video version of this, and Matt, just what's what's ultimately cooking for you? Know since ESPN Radio College State College days are behind us, what what's new for you that you want to share? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm working for Lightner Communications, uh, based out of Altoona. Now we um, have a state college station as well, WRSC, um, but. Uh, you know, just staying on the Penn State beat here, doing some uh, reporting of my own. So I'm looking forward to to get ramped back up for football season. So if you follow me on Twitter that you you see right there below, um, I'll be sticking with Penn State coverage and hopefully uh, hop on here a couple more times. Absolutely. Anytime you want to chat again, Locked on Nittany Lions, now your go-to podcast for happyvalleyinsider.com, Penn State rivals, everything you want to see for Penn State athletics. Matt, it was great to talk again, and hopefully we do this very in the, very in the near future. Yep. Great to catch up with you as always.